final episode in this series of Your Time in the Run, the Hunter podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, who's on James and Nathan's wavelength by asking for a shed upgrade if he wins any money on a show, Anthony Williams. Hey, good morning. And the lady who never sees young girls in tears for more than five minutes at a time because she threatens them with the oubliette, Michelle Pierce Denovan. <laughs> Where's that from? I'm trying to think. When is that in the episode? Someone tends to feel quite bad about um, Abby and Grace getting caught because it's never a good idea to see young girls in tears. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't resist. Of course. How's your week's been? Uh, reports are done. Fantastic. And we had a staff day today, half day, so I went to see Top Gun. Oh, my God, what a what an amazing movie. Oh, cool. I'm going to see it tonight. Oh, it's so good. I've just got back from two days in beautiful Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) It was all right. I mean, it wasn't as shit as last time I went to Birmingham, which is kind of all I can ask. (laughs) The weather held off, at least until yesterday. Did you at least go outside the hotel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were in the hotel for the big staff meeting on Wednesday, and then uh, Thursday we were in like the local centre. And we had a treasure hunt on Wednesday afternoon, which was nonsense. (laughs) Grown adults. I love them. Don't ever say grown adults playing games. That's the best part of life. I just wanted to trigger you a little bit, I'll be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) Live for it. Live for it. And I hate to be smug, but last week I did predict that Abby and Grace would get caught immediately and that... Nathan and Sarah would end up winning. Yep. Yep, another season where called it. Well, I called I called Nathan and James and Sarah literally on our first podcast. And you guys weren't saying that. You thought Sarah would get caught. So Yeah, we thought Sarah would ha- get caught. Yes. But you said James and Nathan. Yeah, well, whereas I didn't. How did you pick one over the other? Well, the answer actually gets on to my next point on uh, on my notes anyway, because the pre-episode one video was even more spoilery than normal this year. We saw every capture apart from Katie and Liam, and we see Katie huffing after being caught anyway, and we don't see James's capture either. We see Nathan crying after James is caught, which, you know, I kind of at least worked out that they would have split because of the camera angles. And we see Shaz and Becky running on the extraction island, as well as both Sarah and James and Nathan getting their extraction details in that one video. Oh my god. Because I went back after episode 5 and tried to work out what we'd actually seen. Thinking back to previous years, we've seen Frank running up the ramp at the uh, the extraction point at the bullring. We've seen a fair few bits of like hints of people who were getting to the end, but the James and Nathan one especially was... Because of the camera angle they usually use, the camera person is always in the front seat with the driver, where possible. So because they were in the front seat with the driver, you could see Nathan, but you couldn't see James there. And it would have been a wide shot of both of them if if they'd both been in the car. So I knew that they'd split as a result of that. And I kind of figured that one of them was going to bait the hunters. And I, I felt like it was more likely that Nathan crying in the car would have been as a result of James getting captured than him being an Iron Rover. After episode five, I had a little bit of a wobble and I did think that it was the other way around. But, I mean, because we only did up to the end of episode four last week, I kind of got away with it. Mm. 
Also worth bearing in mind that Sarah is the oldest woman to win and only the fifth woman of 16 fugitives to escape. Mm. And did you guys watch Rob's video? Yes. Yes, yes I did. I loved it. And I told him I loved it when uh, when he sent it because I, uh, I think I was the first person to watch it. But it was fascinating. I'm going to put the link in in the uh, in the episode notes. But if you've not seen the video that Rob, our, uh, our friend who's on Series 5, um, has done, then please watch it because it answers so many questions about the, the behind-the-scenes stuff of being a fugitive, as well as also listening to our episode that we did with him last year because it was fascinating and a brilliant episode. <laughs> so, previously, the final nine fugitives continued their quest to stay uncaptured for 23 days. Liam and Casey's visit to an abandoned ski slope saw their adventures sink in a salt bin full of piss as they were shocked to be caught on day seven. Nathan and James made a risky move to get supplies from a friend, but it was the taunting that HQ did with James's dog that really fired them up. Sarah visited her family at a football match with the Hunters following the wrong cop. Amarinda and Sherwood trusted the right old lady, but her neighbour betrayed her, and they were duped into getting into a Hunters van and having their time on the run ended. Finally, Abby and Grace's mum's birthday was a perfect opportunity for the Hunters to get right behind them, and they ended episode four getting a bollocking from a traffic officer for walking down a motorway as Jordan and Nicola drove past. <laughs> we begin episode five a little over two weeks into the hunt, and interestingly, HQ do seem to be visibly using WhatsApp on the big screen. Well, they're picking up tips from us yet again, aren't they? <laughs> they are. <laughs> also worth, um, worth flagging, and I think it might already be over by the time this episode comes out, but um, our friend... Hunter Danny is doing an AMA on Reddit tomorrow. Ooh. Which I found out about and have submitted a question about Sherlock. <laughs> just because I'm me. <laughs> what was the question? It was something like, "Does how does Ben feel about us calling him Sherlock? Because, you know, it has escalated a little bit. <laughs> I think that'll make a laugh. Jordan and Nicola do a U-turn and Abby and Grace have been escorted off the A34 by the traffic officer. We see the Victorian ankle clip from episode one once more. The drone is about two hours behind Jordan and Nicola. The girls get away, and Lisa describes her mood as frustrated. (laughs) She is a little bit miffed that she didn't catch them. (laughs) I do love in the end that she says, like, 9-2 is not a bad score, but I wish it was 11-0. And it's like, no, it's 0-1 because fugitives escaped Lisa. That's not how this show works. (laughs) It's an all-or-nothing show. Hmm. It's not like the American and, let's be honest, probably the Australian versions where everyone has an individual prize. Nope. You're lost. Yeah. They could be having a birthday brunch with their mother, but instead they're having a breakfast Belvita on the B430. It's almost like someone predicted they wouldn't get caught immediately. (laughs) Yeah, but to be fair, they do get caught within ten minutes. Yeah, it didn't happen exactly as I said it was going to, but it was not far from it. I was pretty happy still. (laughs) Sarah is described as being the most shrewd shrewd fugitive they've ever encountered. She's the infamous one. Lisa says she's the most formidable fugitive they've had, and Mark's clip about her is repeated from episode four, as is Lisa's clip saying she's just one person. So we have our first bit of monkeying with the timeline. Yeah, yeah. And and definitely setting up, if you haven't already spotted it, she's now definitely confirmed as winner. Yeah. Nathan and James get the more traditional winner's edit, especially going into the end of this episode and onto the next one. But yeah, Sarah does get the, yeah, she's definitely escaping edit. There wasn't a doubt in my mind at this point in the episode. No. 
Sarah's staying away from cameras and knows there is some woodland they can't drive to. She's on a rope swing and says, if anything, being on the run will be a holiday camp compared to being in Iraq. Well, yeah. <laughs> I like the whole rope swing thing. It's another quirky thing. Yeah. Uh, Nathan and James are the most visible fugitives. Their last known sighting was near Barnsley with the Roxy video. The advantage for HQ is that no matter where they go, they will find cameras. Yeah, this seems to be like the recurring theme. Like the whole time they've been on the run, they've just been spotted by camera after camera after camera. And we've never had any fugitives go for that. I don't necessarily know with James and Nathan whether it was deliberate. I don't think it could have been a strategy, but to be picked up that often and then not catch them, I think they're pretty lucky. Yeah, because I was reading an interview with Hunter Becky a few days ago, thanks to Rob for sending it me, um, and she said that her tactic would be to go to really heavily pedestrianised areas and just blend into the crowd. And I think inadvertently James and Nathan actually did that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they planned to. Um, but yeah, they, they pop up and then they disappear and then they pop up again. On on that subject, actually, James and Nathan have been sending us messages on Instagram this week. So, hello, boys. I didn't actually know you were listening until until this week. No way! Deliberately didn't tell Michelle this. <laughs> what? 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 We are up to six fugitives from this series, I think, who, who have been listening at least. Yay! Um, but Nathan said... Uh, saw your podcast about distrust in hearing people. Because I got bullied in school, that's what's affecting it to the day. So just to answer your question, if you guys are curious. Oh, brilliant. But yeah. he did say that faith in hearing humans is restored. Yeah. And, that, and that was lovely. That was such a lovely piece, that bit. That, that's getting the lift. Oh my God, I felt so sad. Yeah, fine. Don't give a lift to someone because there's two strange men with a cameraman. But actually, no, I would because it's a cameraman, so it's not going to be something dodgy unless it's going to be three dodgy people and thinking, right, I'm going to go out, take a camera, and then the girl let me in the car. But for them, oh, I just feel so sad. There's a um, lady at my work who speaks a lot like them because she's deaf. And um, there's like there shouldn't be any discrimination just because they can't hear and they they speak differently it just made me so sad and then Mm. I didn't know whether I was angry or sad at the same time I was just like oh my god stop it these people Mm. like pick them up take them yeah I think it would have been very interesting if the guy at the end hadn't been there whether they still would have kept a lot of this stuff in I think they probably would have had to for the shell garage scene but I don't think they would have kept a lot of the earlier episode stuff in because it wouldn't have had that payoff at the end no, it was a lovely little redemption arc, wasn't it, for for the hearing community, if you mm. like. <laughs> oh, and also, one of them wants to lose weight, and I thought, my God, this isn't Survivor. You're not going to lose that much weight. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. I think Rob said he lost uh, two and a half yeah. stone in 25 yeah. days. He said Amazing. that, yeah. I remember that. Rob didn't have a lot of temper to lose in the first place. Mm. But to be fair, him and Ben were wild camping for a lot of the time. <laughs> mm. They didn't have a decent meal for about eight days. Needed a few more packets of onion rings. That's the, yeah. that's the secret. They looked awful. They didn't <laughs> they look like are. anything like an onion ring. What the Horrible. hell? They were like Cheetos in a ring, obviously yeah. onion flavoured, but they were the same colour as Cheetos. I'm like, what are they? Yeah, they're pretty grim. <laughs> this series has been a revelation for Michelle. She's learned 
new phrases the past two weeks and now she's learned about onion rings. Well, no, well, they were fake. I didn't see them when I was there two years ago. I would have tried them probably because I would have thought, God, they look disgusting. I've got to see what they taste like. So Nathan says he's an adrenaline junkie and wants to prove that deaf people can do anything. And James says that they also want to lose weight, which did make me laugh. Uh, Nathan talks to a man at a shell garage who won't help them. And he's incredibly polite. He goes up to people with the phrase, sorry to intrude upon your day, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah, yeah. He was really polite. And, and I know we're setting this up for, for the lift at the end, but it's just really sad that it does genuinely feel like if they weren't deaf, they would have got a lift, which is massively unfair. Yeah, but also they proved everyone wrong. So fuck all the guys who didn't help Yay. them. <laughs> they rely on public transport so they don't have to speak to people. James says they'll get a bus to Barnsley, then a train, and then they'll feel a bit more confident. HQ get the CCTV from Barnsley train station, showing them getting on the 11.40 train towards Leeds, and Lisa says she's confident that they will get them. We're not. (laughs) Yeah, we're not at all confident you're going to catch them, Lisa. They then refocus their efforts on Abby and Grace, now that a drone and a second ground team, JP and Georgina, obviously, have arrived. They start in Weston on the Green. The drone gets a confirmed sighting of two people walking through the village, and then Jordan gets eyes on the two fugitives, which you saw at the start of the series, which, you know, another capture spoil. Abby and Grace then see them and start running. The drone is useful because it also catches the chase. <laughs> Nicola gets Abby, and their time in the run is over after 16 days. Yeah. And Lisa's really nice to them. She is. Do you think they've tempered her antagonism a little bit? No. <laughs> Sorry? It's like, she's just, I don't know, she's just being nice because they're crying. No tempering. She was nice to James as well. She was far nicer than I anticipated, especially given how much shit she'd been talking about James and Nathan. Bearing their bare ass, that sort of stuff. Let's wait. Let's just just you wait. Ray says no one likes to see young girls in tears, but if you run with the big dogs, you might get bitten. Ray just comes out with the most random phrases throughout these two episodes. (laughs) It's just bizarre. He did it in the heist as well. Yeah, it's like he's just making up these things. It's bizarre. He just knows what's going to get him on TV, I think. (laughs) (laughs) James and Nathan are on their way to York. Nathan says they've stayed in the middle of England too much, so now it's time to go further north. They get the train to Edinburgh. Mark says they've been on camera more than some A-list celebrities. (laughs) Ground hunters are on their way, but Nathan and James are staying ahead by taking the fastest trains possible. Their focus is to go to Loch Ness, because Nathan has always wanted to swim the Loch Ness Monster. I love at this stage, it's just lads on tour. It's, they're just like, <laughs> oh, it's just, just have a laugh, it's great. Dr. Donna mm. says it a little bit later on, she's just like, yeah, yeah the, these guys are very, very much just going to public sites to, to have a little adventure. <laughs> it's great. It's like a two-week trip to Magaluf for these guys. <laughs> it's just really funny. So they are seen going to Edinburgh, getting on a train to Perth. Donna says they're going to go to the big sites and live at large. They should be thinking of them not as deaf people, but as young lads. <laughs> and I know Michelle hates Dr. Donna, but I do. I love Donna's way of phrasing things. No, that was fine. I, that, was, that was fine. I said they're living large, waiting to visit certain things. The chief, just before that, said Danny's line, though, and I was not happy. She's Hello. not allowed to say, come on. There's, a, there's a few of those. There's a few come on appropriations that you just can't do. We need to retire it now. That's it. Mm. <laughs> it needs to be attached to a jersey and lifted into the rafters, like all good sports teams. <laughs> We've lost a lot of matches by this point. 
Mark says you wouldn't go any further north than Inverness as you get bottlenecked the further north you go. Two teams of hunters are sent towards Loch Ness to contain their movements and strike should the boys break cover. Nathan says that he believes he can do it, and James tries to correct him, saying, we can do it. Yeah, and I'm sitting there watching this going, oh no, Harmstone's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't need to put that confessional in, but they put that confessional in because they're setting up for episode six where these guys accidentally split. And I was like, ah, gutted. (laughs) Sarah's in a stranger's garden in East Anglia camping. She's having a tomato pasta salad ration pack and says it's much nicer than the shit they fed her in the army. She left the army 11 years ago when she made the decision to start a family. Going on the run was to try and ignite that excitement back in her. And I know after last week we probably shouldn't be talking about the Facebook group too much, but I did see a comment yesterday being like, oh, why was Sarah talking so much about being in the army? It's 11 years ago. That's why she was cast. She wasn't cast as Sarah the mum, she was cast as Sarah the ex-army officer and now current police officer. It's the story they want to tell with Sarah. That's why they keep reminding us she was in the army. Absolutely. If the main thread had been around her visiting the kids, which it wasn't because it was such a small bit, then she'd have been Sarah the mum. Yeah, and it would have been stuff like family friend Dino rather than, you know, colleague and ex-army officer or friend Sally rather than, oh, we served in Iraq together. Yeah. Ray says she's gone completely radio silent, so he suspects that she's in an area she knows reasonably well, but staying off grid. And that means hundreds of miles in the east of England. And all I have to say on that is, oh, this show's so fake. They told them that she was in the east of England just to make it more exciting. Okay, and now we don't know this is true, but here's an example for those people that say that, right? Let's say, for example, they thought she could be in East Anglia, uh, the home counties... London and the Midlands, right? They do the same radio broadcast to four stations. They only show the one that plays out. That's how this show works. That's just an example, right? They might not have done that and they might have known, but just as an example of, oh, it's so fake, how do they even know that? They might not have known that, but they're not going to show, oh, we think she's in the Midlands, cut to her in Norfolk. Yeah, it's like Survivor. Oh, why isn't anyone looking for idols? Uh, they are, but they're not showing people not finding them. Oh, my God. Same thing. Yeah, we only see the story that we need to see, because that's how this show works. As Rob said in his video, there is hundreds upon hundreds of hours of footage from this show from each team. Rob and Ben were shown for, like, 21 minutes total in six episodes. Yeah. They can't show the entire story, so they just have to show the main beats and how the hunters get close to people and keep it exciting because you don't want to see the analysis. As much as Steve and Doug and everyone do brilliant work, you don't want to see the boring shit because nobody would watch it. You want to see the chases. You want to see the people being cocky. You want to see the people getting one over on the hunters. That's how it works. Rehashing all the beats from last week. (laughs) Even though I promised I wouldn't. Lisa says she's going to throw everything at Sarah to try and smoke her out. Her military friend Trevor is driving her between hideouts, and she hears Lisa getting interviewed on the radio about her. She says the army made her as a person, and as a result she's very competitive. In two hours' time, she's going to send the hunters a message and draw them to her location, and try and create a decoy tactic, whilst also seeing her friends and having a bit of fun. She's luring them to the local dinosaur park, where a Halloween event is happening. A video is recorded of her with her friends, bringing them to Primeval. One of HQ is utterly shocked. 
<laughs> so what do we think of this move? I love it. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. I think it's brilliant and it's brilliantly executed. Do you think at this stage production we're like, oh my God, we've got nothing to show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sarah, could you do something interesting, please? <laughs> I love that she's roped her friends into and got them dressed up and said, right, the pandas are going to run after you. I wanted to see footage of them grabbing one of her friends and going, your time on the run is over. Ah, <laughs> yes. uh, no. <laughs> Don't think so, mate. <laughs> it really reminded me of Nick's decoy tactic. Yes, yes, absolutely. Totally reminded me of that. You've got the wrong fugitive, mate. <laughs> it was great. It was really good. And that was Sarah, like, reaching out as the hunter went past, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it, Carl, one of the ground hunters, um, who was trying to get Sarah here, he was the one who pulled the wig off, I think. Oh, yeah, he was. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that dude has been confused by two separate decoys now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gone past the part where um, the chief says something about an arm? Don't know. <laughs> well, if you didn't think the chief wasn't a nice person before... Here we have her saying when it when it came up with uh, it, they were talking about a third arm, you know, her plans and things. She said, "Well, let's break her third arm." <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely lady. <laughs> so Carl and Mel are sent to investigate. Hunter Ashley says she'd get the fuck out of there when Lisa asks her, but Sarah might just stay there in a Halloween costume just to mess with them. Then we cut to James and Nathan, two ground teams are patrolling the Scottish Highlands to find them. Mark orders a CCTV search of the likely routes that they will take around Inverness. Nathan and James just walk the streets trying to pants each other. <laughs> Listen to you. You're just, you sound exasperated. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired anyway from the past two days, but yeah, I, I watched that and I'm like, Michelle's just going to sigh at that moment. I know exactly what the result's going to be. No, it's... I was like, oh my God, what are they doing? <laughs> At least if you're going to do it, get it all the way down. <laughs> like I've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime. I've seen far too much male nudity in the past week. <laughs> I don't need to see it on Hunting as well. <laughs> so Nathan tries and succeeds at planting James. They meet up with their contact, Kim, at Seaport Marina, which HQ get the CCTV of. I'd have loved to have seen more of Kim. I thought he was brilliant. He's rock and roll, isn't he? He's great. The ground teams find absolutely nothing, which suggests that it's a private boat they left on. Nathan says their minds are almost alike. They think almost the same. James then asks the producer if he's allowed to swear, and then calls Nathan a wanker and a brilliant friend, and says he trusts him with his life. <laughs> Kim drops them halfway down the lock in case the hunters are on their trail, and they plant a wild camp and continue south on the next day. Then we return to Sarah, because basically all the James and Nathan stuff is just reminding you that they exist now. Sarah disguises herself as a scarecrow. She's deliberately picked her battleground. And Lisa says it's the best chance that they've had to catch her, so they can't mess it up. Did she scream at the hunters as they were yeah. coming in? Yeah. I thought she did. I was like, I've got to rewind, but I was like, no, I want to see what happens. Which I think is also in the episode one pre-video, for the record. I think Sarah dressed oh. as a scarecrow reaching out is in that clip. Yeah. Her friends act as a decoy. One of them is going to get eyes on and then run away from whoever the hunters are. And Ray reminds Carl and Mel that the chief doesn't want them being beaten by one of their own. Which if you didn't think Sarah was winning after that quote, you need to open your eyes a little bit. 
He also says he's going to dip Sarah in his tea, soften her up and eat her, which is, again, the weirdest turn of phrase I've ever heard. Ray knows how to get his airtime, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, just say random stuff. And this is when Mark starts to get pummeled by Lisa <laughs> for the next two episodes. Like oh no, this, this is an onslaught. She, can I just say, she's become way too familiar with him and poor Mark. Like, poor Mark. She's talking to him. He says he's nervous about Sarah and they're not going to catch her at the Halloween event. And Chief says to him, get a grip. We need to get hold of her. Never mind your anxiety levels. Poor guy. (laughs) Mark's face is like, what? He's trying to add to the conversation at HQ. And she just shoots him down. Every single time, we have more to come. He's gloriously put upon by Lisa, and it's brilliant. (laughs) Mel says he suspects that Sarah will have a car somewhere, so he stays outside. Mark worries about Sarah, and Lisa tells Ray that patience is key, which we've also seen earlier in an episode. It's the second bit of monkeying with the timeline. The patience Raymundo clip was repeated here. Sarah's worried about their own being one hunter, as she knows they always come in pairs. She splits off from her hiding place and heads to her car. It's not in the normal car park, though, but through the staff exit. Mel also finds that staff exit and suspects Sarah's left by it. Trevor isn't waited for her, so she's stranded, and we get a ad break cliffhanger there. And then Sarah spots the car almost immediately, and Trevor drives her away. It was a good sequence, this. It was really tense. Mm. I did enjoy it a lot. Mm. The, the question I have is, how late did the hunt go that evening? Because there's a really late James and Nathan bit later on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that occasionally they will do after dark stuff, I suppose. So I know Sunset was reasonably early in October, but not that early. Well, they mentioned getting there about 8 o'clock, I think. I was going to say that Halloween event probably didn't start till about 8 o'clock, so it'll easily have been a, a hunt day of up to about 10 o'clock, I suspect. Yeah, I, f- I think they mentioned that it's open six till eleven, and then their ETA is about eight o'clock. Yeah. So, so yeah, it would be dark at that time of year. And as always with these things, I just wonder how far behind Mel really was. Yeah, they weren't in the same screen. <laughs> exactly, and and obviously they were in the park at the same time as each other because we saw Sarah reach out. But I reckon she was long gone before Mel finds that staff exit. Especially as I think you can see that Mel has a lot of lights with him. So, because he has a lot of lights, even if Sarah was there, she'd know to hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she's long gone. HQ is starting to get a bit disillusioned. The first sighting they've had of her is one where she's been responsible for it, and Ray's not a happy bunny. <laughs> Nathan and James wake up near Lot Ness. They're heading back south again, starting with a bus to Fort William. HQ think they're likely to disembark in Fort William if they're heading south via the boat, and she has and Becky are only 14 miles away train station there is a slight problem in that the signal's disrupted so no trains are running today hq get not one but seven positive sightings of them at the train station yeah and at the time right i was like oh no that's really bad they're stuck but actually that saved them because they would have definitely got cctv of which train they got on and where they were going because there was no train that's effectively how they slipped them out this time Mm. so they head back to the bus station and board a bus to glasgow Chaz and Becky show the guy at the train station photos of James and Nathan, but he can't confirm where they went. He does, however, confirm to them that you have to pay on the bus and that there's no CCTV around, so suck it. <laughs> and, and we get my favourite music, my Mr Nick Harvey famous bit that we use for the theme. I love that bit. 
<laughs> we then cut to only two days before extraction. Lisa exits the lift, and today the fugitives will find out where the extraction point is, which is Lot Lomond, where they must cross the lock and board a helicopter from Inchmurrin, a small island. Sarah, James, and Nathan log onto a website to find the information, and are warned that it's only accessible by boat. By accessing the site, their locations are reported to the hunters. Now, I know I do this rant every time. I love how you start a rant with now. See, <laughs> now. We know what's coming. <laughs> Strap in, people. <laughs> I do worry that our social media clips this series are going to be incredibly predictable because last week's one was just, this show's not fake, get your head out of your asses. This week's one is probably just going to be, what the hell, guys? Why do you keep doing this rule? You didn't even have it for the Celebrity series. It wasn't in the Celebrity series, so I was lulled into a false sense of security that you'd finally realised how stupid this rule is. It serves no purpose other than helping the hunters out. And as much as I don't want to seem like someone on Facebook who's bitching about this show being rigged, you wouldn't have that happen in real life. No, that, that is the only bit that is completely artificial, isn't it, really? Because, yeah, why why would it alert them when they find out the extraction point? Yeah. yeah. If you knew a fugitive was going to get extracted, they wouldn't go into a cafe in Nottingham and log onto someone's computer and find the information that way. They would have a burner phone, from my extensive criminal knowledge. Yeah, and it doesn't give them enough of an advantage for it to really make a difference, because they're going to spot them another way anyway. And they know that within 40 hour, 48 hours to go, if the remaining fugitives all head in the same direction, that's the, the extraction point. So they don't need the where were they when they found out at all, really. Yeah, and also more importantly, James and Nathan are appearing on that many cameras at this point that they don't even need any help with finding what the direction of travel is. No. But how unlucky was that that, like, the day or two before they were right by the extraction point and then they've come all the way back down to Nottinghamshire? It's really entertaining, <laughs> though, isn't it? It's funny. Mm. It's funny. Their reaction to Scotland is maybe my favourite bit of the entire pair of episodes. <laughs> it was really good. So James and Nathan, who've just come from Scotland, are in Kirkby and Ashfield, as it says on the episode. Oh, I love the way he pronounces that. They're in Kirkby, in Ashfield, Nottingham. No, the place is called Kirkby and Ashfield. It's in Nottingham. What's the, wait a minute, what's the place called? The place is called Kirkby and Ashfield. And Ashfield? In. In? Well, that's yeah. weird. I'm and he sorry. says it's Kirkby. In Ashfield, in, Nottingham, well, <laughs> like like it's a, like it's like Ashfield is a county or something. No, that's the name of the place. That's like saying, "Oh, we've just spotted them in Stoke on Trent." <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's okay because you have a lot of ons over there. But an in, you're like Kingston on Thames. Like, yeah, it, the, I I don't blame them. <laughs> However, they are English. They should know the towns. And. Sarah is in Glossop in a camper van. Yeah, which means at this point, like they're less than an hour apart from each other. Like one's in Nottinghamshire and one's in Derbyshire. Amazing. So next time, in just two minutes' time, Becky has eyes on Carlisle. <laughs> Sarah gets in a taxi. Jordan has eyes on Kibble, and Nathan says it's so hard. I haven't done the next time uh, things for the middle episodes or series. I just couldn't resist this time. <laughs> so ironically, the episode 6 previously segment says three weeks ago when it's only been two weeks for us I'm not going to do the scheduling rant again, but just putting that one out there Well, it's three weeks on the run, isn't it? It's day 21 Yes, but 
the phrase it actually starts with is three weeks ago. Yeah, which it should have been for us all. Well, no, it should have been five weeks ago. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Hmm. And just a quick fun fact before we start doing the proper episode six bit, three is the lowest amount of people going into a finale ever. I thought so. And it's been three since ten minutes into episode five as well. Yeah. We've never gone into a finale outside of a celebrity series, obviously, where they start with like four people. With less than four people. Well, so they've done pretty well, really, haven't they? It's 48 hours before extraction, and we cut back to the end of the previous episode. Nathan and James escape with their friend Kelly, who they were staying with, and all three fugitives are over 200 miles away from the extraction point. Kelly is dropping them near Chesterfield, but heading the long way around, and Carl and Mel arrive at Kelly's and get absolutely no activity. Ray says that they've been using a network of associates, and that will be the way to catch them if they can work out who's next in the chain. Nathan says he's excited to get chased by the hunters, but a little bit scared of Carl and Mel in particular. <laughs> I love that. Hmm. He's like, if I if I was actually able to get chased by the hunters, I wouldn't want it to be these guys. The other ones I don't mind. I mean, the one who found Louis Smith in a hot tub, she's fine, but I don't want to go anywhere near Carl or Mel. <laughs> I think my favourite have been Shaz and Becky this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously my favourite is never going to be Georgina after the heist, but yeah, Shaz and Becky have been very entertaining. Becky is the one yeah. who found Louis Smith in a hot tub. Yeah, I like I like them. They've got a nice dynamic. They're, they're fun when they get into it. James says that he wants a shed with the TV in a hot tub if they win. Nathan wants his own roof, and James wants him to bugger off. Nathan suggests getting a taxi out of there, but James points out the hunters will be following Kelly's car. Very wise, James. And then we cut to Sarah, where Jordan and Nicola arrive at her campsite where she got the information from. The guy at the campsite has no honour by telling them that she left in a motorhome. Sarah has obviously never heard of Lot Lomond, because she can't even pronounce it. (laughs) And also she thinks that's where the Loch Ness Monster comes from. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Australian, I even understand what the Loch Ness Monster would be in Loch Ness. (laughs) and she is traveling with campers chris and Jeanette. being away from her children is the hardest part unlike any of michelle's adventures the money would be huge for her family as they have debts which we're reminded of which is a big neon sign saying this woman's winning and her impression of scotland is horrifically (laughs) horrifically stereotypical (laughs) (laughs) it's bonkers isn't it H could get the information on the motorhome and Chris's details as a result. He lives in York, where Sarah is dropped off. Question. Answer. Question. <laughs> Angel of the North. Yeah. Sort of re- it sort of reminds me of, what's the show now? The North. What? Tell me the story about the Angel of the North and why she's so huge. So, yeah, it is absolutely enormous sculpture by Anthony Gormley. And you can see it for miles and miles and miles. And it's, yeah, it's very, very iconic. It's known locally as the Gateshead Flasher. What, why? Well, it looks like <laughs> someone with their arms wide open, like they've oh, opened nice. up a, a mat. Um, but yeah, it's, it's iconic. It's, how long has it been there? Probably like 30 years, maybe? Something like that? It's amazing. 1998, it opened. Well, well there you go. Uh... Then. That wasn't a bad guess, was it? It's just amazing. It rem- actually, when 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 they said Angel of the North, I remembered Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, just but it amazing. Is, it's huge. It's unbelievably big. Really, really big. Twenty meters tall. Yeah, 
Wow. Okay. Something I didn't know about. But uh, yes, I have also been there, as you might have guessed. It's literally between two A roads. Yeah, you can't you can't avoid it. If you're heading north, sort of Newcastle area on the A1, you will definitely see it. Yeah. Can you get out and like walk around it, or is it just something that's like in the middle of a random field? No, you can. You can go and walk around it. I can't. I don't know how you get to it, but you can. Yeah. Okay. So as a precaution, HQ puts all the cars in Chris's house on monitoring, including Chris's wife's Mercedes, which Chris is taking Sarah away in. Ray's hunch is that she's in the Mercedes. Fake. But until the team confirms it, he's going to keep monitoring that car. This is like the closest to any kind of jeopardy Sarah's been in the whole time. There's been nothing. And it's almost like the, well, we need to show this bit, otherwise she's going to go the whole of this journey without us even getting close to her. So, Do you think that Sarah's escape is going to make them double down on anyone who is reasonably law enforcement next time? Well, I think they tried to this time, but they yeah. just they can only go with what they get, can't they? You know, if, she, if she's that good that she just doesn't pop up anywhere, what what are they going to do? I don't know, because she wasn't even using friends that much. No, she played it very well. She used friends like in a very limited capacity when she needed to, and as as we've kind of said numerous times, just rely on strangers. Strangers are nice usually, unless you're deaf, clearly. So you use people that have no link to anybody whatsoever and you stand a much better chance of succeeding. Yeah. It is seen crossing the River Tyne, heading into Newcastle, and Sarah randomly approaches cars at a shell garage and gets into a taxi eventually. Now, a very interesting James and Nathan related scene here because Matt starts it off by saying they've overlooked Nathan and it could be worth digging into his connections to see if there's someone they've not found yet. I think that if they had put a little more attention on Nathan, they probably would have caught the boys in the end. Yeah, if they'd have been a little bit ahead of the game and known where in the country Nathan's associates were, they would have found Chris early, and then the minute they started heading north, they should have been on that. They dropped the ball with Nathan far more than they should have, and I don't know why. I think it's probably because on the surface of it, James is the easier one to exploit because of Roxy and stuff like that but they really dropped the ball with Nathan, which was super interesting. Mm. And it's rare that we see a scene from HQ basically saying, yeah, we dropped the ball here. Mm -hmm. The boys are heading to Nathan's workplace and going to ask one of his colleagues, Chris, to put them up for the night. James gets left behind while Nathan runs into his office. And I do have to point out that James hiding in the bush was in the episode one video. There's so much of the final two episodes that is spoiled by that episode one video. Because if you bear in mind, I went into this series not knowing anything about what happened apart from Abby and Grace not getting caught early. That was all I knew this series. And by the Mm. end of episode one, or by the end of the first minute of episode one, because it was actually released on social media as well, I knew that James and Nathan weren't going anywhere for a while. I knew Sarah probably wasn't going anywhere for a while. I knew Abby and Grace were safe until the, uh, the Victorian ankle clip aired. There's so much of these episodes that is spoiled by that opening video. And I know it's great for social media and stuff, but also it's really, really bad if you if you have an analytical mind like me. Yeah, but mm-hmm. to be fair, how, how many viewers are watching it the way that we watch it? Zero. <laughs> well, there you go. So does it matter? No. <laughs> and I know the easy option is to tell me, I'll oh, just don't watch the video, but why? Why would I do that? <laughs> That's asking me not to be myself. I mean, to be fair, you're you're basically moaning about the stuff that they gave you that makes you look like a smart ass. Yeah. So 
know. <laughs> Don't bite the hand that feeds you, Michael. <laughs> I like to be able to guess it and not have a plausible excuse as to why I have it. Like, if it wasn't in the episode one video and I still managed to guess it correctly, I'd look even better. <laughs> yeah, so James is left behind. Matt puts Chris's phone on monitoring, and Nathan asks him to turn his phone off before they drive away. HQ get the CCTV in Nathan's workplace, and they spot the boys being supported by Chris. And George, in a brief appearance of series, and Paul are sent to Chris's address. And I love that they've learned how to sign your time on the run is over. That is so good. Well, it answers a question I had in episode one, doesn't it? Yeah. Did the hunters learn that? And the answer seems to be yes. Yeah, it doesn't pay off, but it, but well done. <laughs> I like that. And it's another late night, and the boys are munching biscuits. Jordan and Nicola pull up, as do George and Paul. George rushes in as soon as Chris opens the door, and the building is clear, and the boys have escaped once more. And Chris resists the cash to dob them in. Yay. Do you know what? I've got to say, Yay. 99% of the public in this series have been brilliant. Yeah, it's only that guy who rang in to to Dob Amarinda and Shelburne, basically. Yeah, that's it. Do we think that is because people are more familiar with the show and over the years we've kind of been conditioned to wanting to root for the fugitives and they're like, yeah, definitely will help. I think it also might slightly be part of the pandemic and everyone not wanting Mm -hmm. to be selfish because this filmed just as the restrictions had properly started lifting last year. Mm, That's an interesting Literally as soon as they could film this show last year, they did, as soon as it was safe to. Because it was like September, October time. And they both, there were both great lines though. They didn't just say no. Like Chris said, my friendship is worth more than that. And then the taxi driver said, money doesn't talk. It could be a thousand pounds. It wouldn't matter. Lovely. I think it also, the pandemic taught a lot of people that kindness is very helpful. Mm. And not that we really Mm. saw that with Nathan and James at the Shell Garage earlier, but we obviously do see it in the end in this episode. But I think the national psyche was slightly tweaked as a result of the pandemic. Obviously, you get the exceptions of people being arseholes, but a lot of people kind of tried to band together a lot of the time during the pandemic. So the boys are in Darlington at another friend's house. Nathan says most of his colleagues thought he'd get caught early, so it's great to prove them all wrong. And the parallels with our good friend Rob here are delightful because his video actually mentions that most of his family thought they'd get caught very quickly. Mm. This is a big old neon flashing sign that Nathan was going to be winning. Oh, yes. Sarah's in Berwick, on the border with Scotland. And she has no idea that the taxi's telematics are leading the hunters right to her location. Mark calls taxi driver Jeff for information. He's offered 250 quid, but Stonewall's Mark. And Mark says that he hasn't bridged the north-south divide. <laughs> That's a funny bit, that was. I don't think that's really a thing, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> not really. It's not something I've ever heard of. And Sarah manages to negotiate a bed for the night with a lady called Elaine and her family. She says she's not feeling safe today. A little self-doubt is starting to creep in. How nice of that family. Like, I wonder if, would, if it would have been the same, because it was dusk, it was nearly night time, if, say, Nathan or James had turned up there with a cameraman... Do you think they would have still taken two guys in? I think yes, but also Rob's video was really interesting that they deliberately gave the boys a female camera person mm. to make it easier for for them to be able to go, oh, can you take me in, please? Yeah. So it wasn't just three lads. So I suspect they probably did the same thing with 
Nathan and James. I think they did actually have a, a camera woman mm. from the little we've seen of the crew of this series. So on day 22, Lisa tells the HQ team that they have done amazing work, but it could all be for nothing if they don't catch everyone. If you didn't expect them to not catch everyone by this point, you're wrong. <laughs> Nathan and James think that the hunters have lost them, so they decide to hatch a plan to go to Carlisle, where Carlisle United are playing at 3pm, and taunt the hunters one last time. Oh, boys. I know you're going to listen to this, and I think Nathan says it right afterwards, but this was a really stupid move. Yeah. On the second last day, just go to ground. It's so ballsy, and obviously it was going to get shown on TV, but oh, boys, why? Oh, God. I was... I was... Oh, was not good. You know what? Wait, wait a week, and you can have a box at a football match with the money you've just won. Just no, get to the extraction point. So Lisa says the extraction point is obviously north, and so puts all train stations within fifty miles of their last sighting and monitoring. The boys are on a train from Newcastle to Carlisle, debating the merits of football. I have to say, I'm with Nathan here. Yeah, me mostly too. And they get three positive sightings of the boys at the station, and Shaz and Becky are sent to Carlisle. They are 61 miles away and estimated to be 45 minutes behind the boys. And Ray looks for a friendly sheep to hold up the train. Because <laughs> why not, Ray? <laughs> why not? Mm. A covert agent is sent in as Shaz and Becky are so far behind. He will be tailing the I boys. don't like covert agents. He'll be tailing why? the boys. Have we boys. had covert agents before? Yes. <laughs> he will be tailing the boys. I've totally forgotten. It's been so long since we've watched Hunted. I don't like covert agents. Either the real hunters get to where you have to be or bugger you. Like, if you can't get there, sorry, the fugitives have got there. No, just no. Carry on. <laughs> He'll be tailing the boys until the hunters arrive. That was all I had to say on it. <laughs> I was fully anticipating Michelle ran and just trying to get the actual end of the sentence out before it started. Well done. You nearly made it. I know. So close. There's only four attempts, I think. <laughs> I wasn't letting you. I know. I quite like the covert agent, but he's not very good. <laughs> he's not very covert. I could be more covert than him. Yeah, he's like 10 foot behind them. <laughs> Wearing red. Like, Jesus, we're black. The best thing is he then gets accused by, by Nathan going, are you filming me? Are you filming <laughs> well, me? No crap, Sherlock. Seriously. He's right there. He's not even trying to hide himself. The interesting thing is that the voiceover guy at one point says the covert agent can't take the boys out of the game. They have to wait for the ground hunters. Yeah, and and I wasn't quite sure what he was saying. Was he saying because he's on his own, he can't risk losing one of them? Or was he he kind of saying he's not allowed to catch them because he's not not a hunter? I think the wording of it made it sound like he wasn't... It wasn't sensible for him to do it because he'd lose one of them. Mm. Is that allowed? Are covert hunters allowed to capture people? I don't know. They never have in the past. No. And in Michelle's defence as well, a little bit later, I do have a note saying, he's not that covert, actually. (laughs) He's not covert at all. (laughs) Nathan spots he's being followed. Not much of a covert agent, is he? Can I ask, when they were crossing the road... 
No, I'm not even asking. I'm just, I'm just telling. He was literally two meters behind him. And um, I think it was Ray had to say, um, "You're not far enough away from him. Get back a bit. Yeah, can you just back off a little bit? <laughs> You're not covered any longer." But yeah, the one note that I have after the not much of a covert agent one, I actually have put covert in inverted commas for him as well. (laughs) (laughs) Overt agent. Yeah. So he says he has eyes on and sees them signing on their way to the football game. They keep the covert agent secret, but then show his face when he's on a call with Ray. (laughs) Usually with a covert agent, they film them from the neck down because we saw it with with Liam's auntie early in the series that they had a covert agent planting that camera because none of the hunters were in the area. But they never usually show their face, and then they show him on FaceTime to Ray. And he's so damn happy. Yeah, and it's like we don't see anything about him for the rest of the episode, but then we just see his face with Ray. (laughs) And they don't even disguise his voice either, which they usually do. Usually they put a voice changer on him. So yeah, Nathan spots he's being followed. They go and talk to him. They spot him filming, but don't make the link. Becky and Shaz get out on foot. They meet up with the quote-unquote covert agent before Becky gets eyes on. And the boys manage to get away, despite their protestations earlier in the episode, that they don't run. Because in episode 5, as part of the we're a bit fat scene, I think it was, um, they do say that they... In fact, no, it's the um, the Carl and Mel scene, where Nathan says that they don't really do physical exercise, they don't run. And despite their claims earlier in the episode, they do end up running. Both of them manage to weasel away from Shaz and Becky. However, James falls and his time on the run is over. Did you spot anything weird about James's capture? He was running, and then he seemed to be fine at running and then fell over something, and I, you didn't really see him falling over. You just saw the fall. James's capture is a unique one in Hunted history because you never see him in the Land Rover. Ooh. And there is a reason for that. The reason for that is that James broke his foot. He looked in pain. <gasps> Oh, no. James went straight to hospital and a few weeks ago went back to work. Wow. Wow. Because I was messaging James on the RTV Warriors Instagram account as he got captured, basically, and said, basically, hard luck. I hope Nathan wins it for you. And he was like, yeah, I broke my foot. And then he released a video with Nathan after the result came out of um, them talking through their time in the run. It's only a couple of minutes long. And I've been deliberately not mentioning it to you guys, so I could spoil it for you on this. But um, yeah, he did break his foot in two places, had to have an operation, I believe, and um, has only just returned to work as a postman. So yeah, that's why you never see him get into the Land Rover, or indeed anything other than him sitting on the ground, having Lisa be quite nice to him. I wonder what he fell over to to do that, or if he fell over anything, or just just tripped. He shows a picture of his scarred foot in the video as well. It's uh, it's a bit grim, I'll be honest. (laughs) Gosh. But yeah, he did actually knacker his foot gosh okay um on, on an aside uh the chief around this point had another go at mark for <laughs> as mark said he respected the lads initially um and she called him something that i don't understand it's some english thing but i thought oh my and mark's face his eyes popped out of his head like okay she's saying this to me now basically what did she call him? I don't know. I don't understand. I've, re- I've rewound it. I still didn't get it. What did it sound like? I can't tell you. Don't bring it up then. So, but no, but she's having a go at him respecting the lads. 
I thought, oh, God, it's not long. It's not long until then. Oh, the next thing she says to him, I've literally written down so much crap she writes, says. Like the next thing was then, so where could could they be? And and Mark says, well, they could be here, they could be here, they could be here. Um, and she says, you must have so many splinters in your ass. Get off the fence and pick one. And I'm like, you just asked him a question. She He answered you and she has a go at him. I'm like, oh, my God. I've, if I was Mark, I'd be, oh, saying so much back to her. What the hell? Don't ask me a question if you want to give some smart-ass answer back to me. <laughs> Christ. Mark, you're lovely. You're fine. She's rubbish. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. I don't understand, Michael, why you said go easy on her. No. <laughs> no. I quite warm to her over the series. I quite no, like why? How can you warm <laughs> to someone who's just having a go at Mark any chance she gets? Because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Had enough. I've just quickly rewatched the um, the Lisa and Mark scene for you. Thank you. He says that up until this point he had respect for them, but now um, now doesn't. She says, why do you have respect for him? They uh, they showed their arse. They flipped us the bird. And uh, he says, I'm quite hard-skinned. And she says, um, no, you're not. You're soft as shite. Oh, okay. I didn't hear the last word. That's lovely. Isn't that a lovely, lovely thing for you to say <laughs> to someone who is below you in the in HQ? And, oh. The other thing I do have to also mention is that, as I did say last week, Nathan running away from the Hunters at Carlisle United is in the episode one video. Did you know they were at Carlisle, though, from the episode one video? Yeah. Uh, yeah, when Nathan drops his bag and runs away, you can clearly see the Carlisle United sign. Right. So, yeah, until they went to Carlisle United and until Nathan started running away from Becky, they were always going to be safe. Yeah. Uh, so Nathan manages to hide in a shed, basically. He realises that risks may have been a bit stupid. And he also clocks that the covert agent was filming them. Lisa then calls James and is surprisingly nice to him. She tries to get the extraction point out of him, but he's saying nothing. Understandably, he knows he's getting a share of Nathan's winnings. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Unless she's going to offer him 26 grand, he ain't going to take it. No, totally. And I think this is a hunted first, isn't it? Where someone has got that close and they've made it away on foot and then made it to an extraction point. I don't think anybody's ever actually escaped once they've got that close to being caught. Yeah, yeah. And also, your clock it, the camera person lost Nathan as well. Yeah. I'm assuming the camera person had to... I'm assuming the camera person had to use the footage from Nathan's GoPro to then work out where he'd gone and then reunite with him. Yeah, or, or, or there's some way that they, they get yeah. in touch. Which is clever. Specky and Shaz have lost Nathan... He's hiding in a side road and smartly takes his jumper off so they don't know what he's wearing. Very clever, Nathan. Yeah. Then we have the Mark and Lisa scene where James and Nathan have been frankly disrespectful and she says he's soft as shite. And then Nathan manages to get a lift from the wonderfully named Nicky Tinkler. <laughs> <laughs> we get the final scene that I'm going to talk about for the episode one video of Nathan going, it's so hard. 
And he says it means a lot as a deaf guy that hearing people will help him. That is a winner's quote. Oh, yeah. And it just ties the whole story up in a beautiful little bow, doesn't it? It's like, there you go. After all of that, some hearing people are nice, and that's going to be what gets you to the extraction point. Despite all of my complaints about Channel 4 this series being stupid with the scheduling, they know how to tell a story in the editing room of this show. Mm-hmm. Mark reels off a heap of locations that the extraction point could be, and Lisa tells him to get off the fence and pick one. You don't have to be mean to be the chief. We have seen this for five <laughs> five seasons. You don't have to be mean. You can be, you know, short and you you can say a witty comment back to them, but you don't have to be mean, Lisa. It's like, Christ. I'll also point out, just for Ant's attention, that everything that Lisa has done in the past four episodes, I've written down <laughs> just for Michelle. To date her. <laughs> I have more notes about Lisa than any person I have ever <laughs> watched on a television program, just for Michelle. <laughs> so Nathan's dropped off in Gretna by Nikki, and Nikki also gives him his coat. Sarah manages to convince Stuart and Karen to let her use the bathroom, and they offer to take her all the way to Loch Lomond. With 16 hours to go, Ray puts all the ground teams over Scotland. They're confident that it's either northern England or southern Scotland, but they still don't know whereabouts it is. And Sarah is dropped off at a farm shop near Loch Lomond and manages to convince a lady called Ishbel to help her. She's arranged a speedboat for the morning, and Sarah is sleeping in the farm shop that Ishbel owns. Of course she has. Of course she's arranged a speedboat. <laughs> what? That's amazing. Just such a throwaway line, that as well. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm bonkers, I am. I've just arranged a speedboat for you in the morning. Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are the odds of actually finding someone who'll take you in and find you a speedboat? It's crazy. And all she had to do was win bullseye. <laughs> yeah, she's had that in the garage for 30 years. <laughs> Got it in one. <laughs> so Nathan's staying at a travel lodge in Glasgow, an hour's drive from Lot Lomond. He says it's hard because he relies on James to lip read for him but he has to win it for James and the both of them. You've clearly never stayed in a travel lodge, mate. That wasn't the travel lodge you were staying in. He stayed in the Marriott Courtyard that was next door. <laughs> that, that That is not a travel lodge room, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same. It showed a travel lodge, and then he, in the background you could see Marriott Courtyard. That's where he went. Much nicer room. <laughs> I will defer to your expertise. I've not been to a courtyard by Marriott for a long while. Must be nice for you. <laughs> You can tell who uh, who's lost touch with the common man out of the two of us. No, it's more that I have stayed in plenty of travel lodges, and trust me, they are not that nice. <laughs> I did think it was weird for a travel lodge to have more than one bed, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> and coat hangers. <laughs> and, you know, plugs. <laughs> this is the uh, the last episode before our sponsorship by Travel Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> with three hours to go, Lisa reminds them that the fugitives just need to get their hands on the cash by 12pm. Mark tries to flush them out, Matt is on boats, and Paul has airports and helicopters. As we're reminded, the extraction point is the island of Inchmurin on Loch Lomond, where they must find a rusty iron shed that the helicopter will land next to. Sarah is one mile away at the farm shop, and Nathan is 17 miles away in Glasgow, getting a taxi to Loch Lomond. There is a CCTV sighting of Nathan on day 22 in Glasgow, leading all the hunter teams to be sent that way. Sarah boards her boat just as Paul spots a helicopter heading towards Inchmurin with no onward movement. The suspicion is that Inchmurin is the extraction point, 
and everyone is sent towards Lot Lomond. Mark asks for all the CCTV from Belloc, the village closest to Inchmurian, and Jordan is in his traditional place in the chopper. Because if there's two things you can guarantee will happen in a hunted extraction, it's Jordan's in the chopper, and Sherlock will be in a white t-shirt and jeans. (laughs) No exceptions. Nathan asks to get a boat over, but he's told there are no boats for the winter, but then finds a private boat who will take him there. And at 10.18, Nathan is seen on the CCTV at the south of the lake. Shaz and Becky are sent on a conveniently placed rib to go to the island after him. Hmm, was very convenient. It's one of them things where people were moaning about it on Facebook, obviously going, oh, how did they have a boat waiting there? Mm. You really think that if they're going to send all the hunters to Lot Lomond, they're not going to have a boat waiting for them? Yeah, fair enough. I want the woman's job in the boat office, because if there's no boats for the winter, she's got a cushy number for six months, isn't she? She can just sit there on Reddit for six months. <laughs> Sorry, no boats till spring. Oh, cheers, thanks. <laughs> Laters. So Shaz and Becky are on the island, as are Nathan and Sarah. I was worried then about... Sorry for interrupting, but I was worried about Nathan then, you know, behind the shed and being deaf. You wouldn't be able to hear the chopper. And I was like, okay, you have to inch around so you can actually see something. Mm. Um, Yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah. I think it's more interesting a little bit later when he's running to the chopper. I don't think he knew how close Jordan was behind him. Mm. No. And boy, that was close. Yeah. As much as we obviously love to say if you don't see him in the same camera shot, they're not in the same camera shot. Jordan was very visibly behind Nathan. He was probably a minute behind Nathan at most. Yep. So the helicopter reduces altitude over the island, and Nathan loses his shoe. Jordan <laughs> spots the chopper landing. He thinks they've got them in the bag, and he lands himself to prevent them from boarding. Says he has eyes on Kibble, but she boards the chopper, as does Nathan. They weren't in the same shot in the end, but as is traditional, Jordan misses them by a whisker. And HQ are distraught, and the show is so rigged. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't have a glass tabletop where I watch this show because every time I am bashing the table and I'm like so scared, I've got to bash the table. No, the table could break. No, come on. Oh, my God, the table's going to break. And I'm bashing, bashing, bashing the table thinking, oh, my God, get to the chopper so I can stop bashing the table. (laughs) Get to the chopper. (laughs) Get down. like that. (laughs) I think the rule for extraction point, is that HQ can catch them until everyone boards the vehicle. As soon as everyone boards the vehicle, they've won. Yeah, because I was thinking that because it must have been before midday. Um, so I think the when they say it will leave at midday, I think what they actually say is if you're not on it by midday, it's gone. But the second mm. you both get in the vehicle, you're done. If you notice, as soon as Nathan boards the chopper, it cuts to in the chopper and the door's already closed. Yeah. So I think yeah. that must be the rule, is that as soon as the last person has boarded, you can go. Which is good. Which begs the question, why don't fugitives just get there for nine o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. And just sit and wait. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd do. But also, I'm never going on this show. But then you do, you're relying on everybody else thinking the same thing. There's not a lot of point getting there at nine and the last fugitive getting there at a minute to twelve because that gives them three hours to just wander up and your oh, time yeah. is over while you're sat on a helicopter. Yeah, um, this is the only one that I've actually 
cried because I was so happy that Nathan got on that helicopter. It was a really tense extraction. I said this to Nathan on uh, on Instagram, but I was reasonably convinced they'd both win by the time that James had got caught. I was like pretty confident, but I still wasn't 100% until that helicopter had closed. And mm. that is the beauty of good editing. Good yeah. editing, which has been let down by shit scheduling. <laughs> it was it was a beautiful ending, wasn't it? Really, really nice. Well done. Very tense. Very emotional. Yeah, bravo. Great editing. So Nathan and Sarah each take 50 grand home with them. Nathan's got it. Him and James didn't finish together, but they will be splitting the cash, and I can confirm they did split the cash. Sarah says she's proud she did it. She's proven to her boys that their mum can still kick ass. It reminded me of the US um, extraction with the money. Uh, it yes. brought back loads of memories of them making it rain on the plane. Yeah. And interestingly, we were recommended an Instagram account on the People You May Know section after the finale, which strongly suggests that Nathan may have bought a telescope with his winnings. <laughs> what? <laughs> well. Like, about six or seven weeks ago, I think it was, he created an account that is his stargazing pictures, and it's a big fuck-off telescope. Nice. So I think he may... I haven't asked him about this. I think he may have uh, have put his winning towards that, which is fun. Yeah. Buying cool stuff. That's what you do when you win money. Not that I'd know. Well, it's stuff that you wouldn't ever save up for because, exactly. well, there's other things I need to get. It's like when I won money, I bought a painting. Like... I would never buy another painting unless I bought I had one money because it's not something that you think is worth spending money on unless you've got the money for free sort of thing. You're absolutely right. Unexpected cash should always be a treat. Yeah, it, it's basically fun money. That's that's what he treated it as by the look of mm. things, which is cool. So what did we think about the series as a whole then? I thought it was a superb series. Um, it would have been way better if it had been over six weeks, but given that, it was still very good. Probably ooh, top three. I'm not sure quite which way around, but yeah, one of my favourites. Hmm. I really like the season. I enjoyed it. Obviously, the scheduling did let it down, and obviously we're going to have a solution for that next year in that we're going to completely ignore the scheduling. If they want to put two episodes on a week, we won't be releasing two episodes a week. We'll more than likely be recording more than one episode a week, but we won't be doing anywhere near double episodes next year. Sod that. I think had it aired weekly, it probably would have been an amazing series, but it is sadly let down by the fact that they've essentially just asked us to binge it, which doesn't help. Mm. No, there's not a lot of point having uh, cliffhangers that get resolved two minutes later. No, and this is an argument that I am very much going to have with Hunted Australia. I know they're not going to wear that once a week. It's going to be a ridiculous amount of episodes a week. You don't know. You don't know. I do, because because that's how Australia works. When was the last show like this that Australia aired one episode a week, Michelle? Mm, no. I bet it isn't no. in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, MasterChef, no. Love Island, no. Um, Bachelor, no. Survivor, no. Amazing Race, no. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> I genuinely think it probably was Amazing Race Australia 3. It's the last of the like major reality franchises that they aired one a week. And I think even then some of the episodes aired more than one a week. 
Yeah. And Australia 2, they definitely yeah. did because yeah. they had the finale week thing. So it might be Australia 1, which was 2011. So yeah, 11 years. <laughs> if we can make Hunted Australia work, we obviously will. And that will be a discussion that we will be taking very much offline. But I, <laughs> I genuinely don't have much faith in them doing less than three episodes a week. And I think we'll run into the same problem we have with this series where it's like, yeah, it's a really good show. But also the scheduling is absolute shite. It will probably be. If it is two or three days a week, it's normally Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, which doesn't really work for our scheduling in the same way that Sunday hunted releases don't, being perfectly honest. (laughs) But we'll see. It's a heavy maybe. We'll try and make it work because Michelle won't let me live it down if we don't. But yeah, if Mm. if we can make it work, we will. I'm just very much not promising anything because this series has been kind of a nightmare to do with the scheduling as fun as the series itself has been and as fun as it is obviously talking to you guys but hey i'd rather have it wonky scheduled than not on at all so at least it came back and it came back with a bang it was a brilliantly done series best casting we've seen in a long time and some brilliant editing so you can't have everything right no i i also will say i don't think you could really tell that it was filmed during covid no, there was a few scenes with the mask and obviously the perspex and stuff, but it didn't yeah. impact it negatively, I don't think. No. Which I would say is a massive benefit for anything that's been filmed in the past two and a half years. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um, no, I'll hold off. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, just do another, like, I don't know, hour, hour and a half on the Chief. oh dear just oh dear oh dear it's all i have (laughs) Uh, i really like lisa i I think you know she's like a pantomime character she's just funny and obvious if if they got a clean sweep it wouldn't have worked because nobody would be on board with that but the fact that she didn't just means that it's like haha one in the eye for you lisa which is good I will also say that it is very much not necessarily the last episode of this series of Your Sam in the Run. When the next episode comes out, I don't know yet, but the uh, the negotiations are very much active, shall we say. Yay. It certainly won't be the last hunted episode of the year, even if we don't do Australia. Which we will, let's be honest. <gasps> yes. I'll probably have my arm twisted, let's be honest, on this. But... Totally. Yeah. I mean, totally. we just, just, we'll just forget about the schedule because... Probably most of our audience will be watching it when links become available anyway. So exactly, let's just, won't let's they? just do it. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not promising anything deliberately. <laughs> I love it. I'm not promising. That doesn't mean anything to me. I'm a woman. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, I know, Michelle. I've known you for the best part of 10 years. I know what you're like. That's why I don't promise things. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, thank you for listening to our Hunted Recaps, all brief series long. We'll be back very soon for more episodes, beginning with Logan and I talking about Fears to Mold Japan on June 29th. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Anthony's on Twitter at Ballsboy, Michelle is Beth, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors, and we'll see you very soon for more Hunted episodes. But with that, for this series, your time in the run is over. Bye. Bye. Still pretty damn good in sync. I'm proud of you both. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>